0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit MyElevationCC.org. We are like clay. Static. Unrecognizable. Nothing. A formless mass with no direction, no purpose, no meaning. We are like clay. Pliable, movable, moldable. In the hands of the Creator, we can be changed. Made beautiful. In life. Nothing becomes something extraordinary. The transformation takes time. The process is tedious, difficult, painstaking. But soon, we see the beginnings of something wonderful. The formless takes shape. The unrecognizable finds its identity the meaningless is given purpose. From nothing comes beauty. We are like clay, each piece different than the next, given unlimited potential in the hands of the potter.
1: It's all about getting real. And uh, my goal in this series is to be fully transparent myself. We need to be real by addressing the real issues in the church way more than we address the issues in the world. I do believe that God desires to do great revival and work and transformation in our world, in our government, in our country, but guess what? The work does not pass over the children of God and do the work without them. God wants to partner with us and to work in and through us. That illustration That picture, that piece of clay and what the potter does when the clay is moldable in the creator's hands. That is exactly what Jesus had in mind when he presented one of his most famous, if not his most famous words. In Matthew chapter five, you can turn there now, pull out your phones. I want you guys to consume it. I want you to consume it. But before we go there, I want us to understand, I want us to really understand that this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. The very heart of the Beatitudes is just like that illustration of that piece of clay In order for us to enter into a relationship with Jesus, we must understand our position as clay. There's Nothing of worth and value in the lump of clay itself. It's all about the value and the worth that the potter gives to it as he forms it and makes it. We need to understand that we have to become moldable and shapeable and teachable in the hands of the creator. And when we do friends, when we do, something incredible happens, your life is changed. Things are made beautiful, you're given life. You're never the same. Nothing becomes something and the ordinary becomes extraordinary. That's the power that Christ gives us. But it is only through knowing Jesus our Lord as Colossians 3 verses 10 says, we looked at it last week. Go ahead and listen to it over and over and over again until it actually makes an impact in your heart and in your mind. It says, Put on your new nature. It's an action word. You put on the new nature in Christ. And then it says, continue to learn to know your creator. So it's a head knowledge, but it's also a heart knowledge and a life change perspective. Because it says, as you learn to know your creator, and become more and more like him. Do you know what a disciple is? A learner. (laughs) Do you know what the number one objective for a Christian is? To learn, to know Jesus, and to become more like him. the biggest problem, the biggest problem that the church in America has is we know it, but there is no life change at all. And friends, my title is lead pastor. What's that mean? It means that I get to change you, right? (laughs) No, the only one that changes the heart is Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't force you to live out these words of Jesus. I can't continually check your Facebook account and make sure that you're saying the right things and playing the right part. Just like I can't force a horse to come to a trough of water and drink. I can lead that horse and guide that horse to the water, but it is the horse's will and choice to drink or not to drink. But I will tell you friends that I'm not going to waste another day by preaching the truth and the words of Jesus Christ to get you to grow from a little baby Christian to mature in Christ. Another word to say is we are going to be a church that pours our lives into making disciples that make disciples, learners of Jesus. It's a lifelong process to grow in maturity, but that's what the Beatitudes are all about. So today, Whether you're in your home, whether you're listening in your car or whether you're right here, I want to lead you to the living water, Jesus Christ. I want to lead you not to just making red lines in the sand and everything that's going on. And I'm not talking against that, guys. I understand that we need to talk about red lines. You know what I mean? It's like, what are we gonna do when this happens? And what are we gonna do when this happens? And let's put red lines. We need to talk about that. You need to decide over what red lines and decisions uh, and boundaries you're putting up as your family. But guys, as Christians, where do we get our red lines? We get them from the red words of Jesus and the red drops of blood that he shed for you and me. If you're building any other red lines than that, you are misguided and you will be disappointed. And so friends, we need to look so seriously at Jesus's red words. And thanks to his red drops of blood, we can receive it. It's not enough to know the Beatitudes. It's not enough to know scripture that tells you what a Christian should look like. It's about life change. And that life change only comes from becoming that lump of clay in the master's hand. Our culture hinders us all the time because it's all about us finding our destiny. It's all about us going and get it. It's about our freedoms. No, it's not. It's about the freedom that Christ died to give us. Is this an anti-freedom message? Absolutely not, but we need to understand that this is the basis and the foundation for anyone who calls themselves a Christian. I didn't share this in the first service, but it's kind of like the illustration where a horse and a donkey They're different animals, right? But they're similar enough to where they can reproduce. Let me say it for the simple of heart, to where they can have a baby. And that baby, when it's born, is called a mule. (laughs) And that mule is sterile. Don't know what that is? Ask the person next to you. It can't reproduce. And sadly, the church has developed a ministry producing mules who do the work of the ministry, who talk like a Christian, who comes and worships and is intended to do good and wants to, man, the sermons move them and they wanna do their devotions and they base their their Christian life on, on works and things that they can do to please God. And they never reproduce other learners of Jesus. Not on my watch. I'm gonna do everything I can to model that, to live it and lead it. But guys, it's okay to be a Christian baby when you're born. It's good. Let us feed you. Let us nourish you. Let us teach you. Let us comfort you. Let us coddle you. But if you stay there, you're gonna be really frustrated when our standard goes up and our expectations from the Word of God are placed on you. Whoo! Thank you, God, for speaking. Just put our focus on you. I I said this this morning, first service, I made a confession. So when you make a confession, you mean you're be- it means you're being genuine, right? I made a confession that this is the first message that I've ever done or series I've ever done on Beatitudes. Well, one of our worship team members gently and humbly corrected me. I did a Beatitudes series in December of 2018. It was a powerful series. I didn't even remember it. Obviously it stuck. (laughs) But why I thought I never taught it is because I didn't understand them. And we read these words and we just skim over them. And if this is really the Beatitudes, meaning we're to be the attitude of Christ and everything else falls into place from there, and I think we need to understand them in order to live them out. So I would love for you to read them in your own Bible or on your own Bible app. If you're at home, please get out your Bible because you cannot take this screen home with you. But you can take the Bible that you're marking up and the Bible that's on your device with you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We looked at that last week. If you missed it, start there. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons and daughters of the most high God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, meaning to have right standing with God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. That's happening. Just wake up, turn on the news, that's happening. It's happening. And Jesus says, you are blessed when it happens. Not my words. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Jesus talks about storing up treasures. This is what he's talking about. The attitude, the mindset and the heart of one who is following Jesus. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These, my friends, are the absolute basics for anyone who says they have been born of Christ, saved by grace. These are the basics for living out the Christian life. And it is found in two things, and I've said it already. As you learn to know Jesus, you are a learner of Jesus. And the fruit of learning Jesus is you become more and more like him. These are the basics of that. We say it like this for this series, be the attitude. Can you say that after me? Be the attitude. Now everyone, be the attitude, be the attitude. As you think, as you believe, everything falls into place. Don't just memorize the Beatitudes. Be, become, grow into. Be immersed with them and your life will grow. This is where favor for the Christian comes into play. This right here is the prosperity gospel. Not anything else that you hear that if you pray much, your checking account will grow much. It's in the humility and the attitude of nothing becoming nothing without Christ. This is the blessing that God always wants to give his children is when we, Put on the attitudes of Christ. You want to live a happy, fulfilled, favored life? Live the attitude of Christ. So today we're going to look at two. We're going to blitz through two steps. This is why it's so important. I'm going to do my job and I'm going to diligently try to speak and clearly communicate God's word, Jesus's words to us. It's your job to take it and put it in your mouth, digest it and consume it and live it out. Anything that doesn't line up to God, let it be waste. Blessed are those who Mourn, you should understand that because don't you use mourn in your vocabulary every day? No, we think of a funeral and that is so out of context in this scripture because funerals in America is not what mourn means. Funerals are very quiet in America, very personal, private, very few people vocally are heard weeping. And when they do, and I've done many funerals, it's very awkward. You go to the Eastern cultures. I went to Ethiopia and we thought there was a mass murder going on in this building. And it was women grieving the loss of one woman's husband. And they were wailing like you could hear them from a half mile away this is what jesus is talking about mourning but before i get into defining what mourning means we need to understand that blessed those who are mourned for they will be comforted comes directly right after being poor in spirit actually commentators will say that they are directly related to one another the first one is intellectual the mind the head The knowledge to know that without Christ, we are nothing. That our very best that we could ever muster in our abilities, our personalities, our resources is like filthy rags. It's garbage, it's dung. Nothing we could ever do could amount to what we need to be in right, Standing with God. It is only by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. So why are you trying to? Christians, we just live. Man, I was bound in chains when I was, I was a worship pastor here. Right around 2009, 2010, my wife will attest to this. Ever since we were married in 2004, I beat myself up every day because I wasn't good enough and I wasn't pleasing God. I didn't read the Bible enough. I only read one chapter, man, I should have read two. I didn't pray enough or I'm falling asleep when I'm praying and I woke up feeling guilt and shame. This is the kind of work-based belief and identity and attitude that Jesus is trying to tear to shreds. It's understanding in your head that you are nothing apart from Jesus Christ, and you can do nothing of eternal value without the grace and the power of Jesus. It's intellectual. The second one, is emotional, and I'm not saying just a feeling or based on circumstances. I'm saying it's the emotional, deep feeling within your spirit of depravity, of brokenness, weeping over your sin, weeping and wailing over your separation between God and you. And there is nothing you can do to get over that gap to Jesus or to God, excuse me, the Father. It's only through Jesus and what he did on the cross that we can have any hope for mercy and forgiveness in life with God. First is head knowledge. The second one is an attitude of your heart. So let's look at what mourn means from a heart perspective. And remember, they go hand in hand. The the heart pumps blood to your body and to your organs and to your head. Guess what your head does? It tells the body what to do. You need both. Man, Jesus was so wise to share those as the first steps to salvation and growing in Christ. jesus said in matthew 16 if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it this is exactly what morning is talking about it's the strongest word in the greek for something like this The strongest word, Jesus is using the strongest word that he can find in the Greek language to present this to us of what our heart position is supposed to be like. And it means to wail and weep loudly. It's weeping over our broken, sinful, inadequate, total inability to be in right standing with God. This is all about understanding the depth of our spiritual bankruptcy and desperation of Jesus to have any kind of hope for a future. It's understanding our weakness, as the Apostle Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12. He was struggling with his weakness. What do we do in our culture? Don't focus on your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. The weakness will take care of itself. That is opposite, polar opposite of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5. He says, focus on your weakness because when you focus on your weakness and inability to live out any worth and value of God, that's when his strength comes in. Let's look. My grace is all you need, unmerited favor. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Remember, Paul suffered a martyr's death for Jesus Christ. Just remember that. For when I am weak, I am strong. This is how we mourn and travail over our inability to do anything good or worth God's favor. This kind of attitude is reflected in the life of Jesus, which we'll look, in, look at at the end. Here's the spiritual definition I wanna leave you for mourn before we go to the next to mourn is to recognize your utter inability to do anything within yourself to please God. You then place your complete dependence on Christ's ability to sustain and strengthen you. You recognize your utter inability to do anything within yourself your own strength your own resources your own desires your own personalities your own skills you place complete dependence on christ's ability to sustain and strengthen you let me say it in a different way that you might understand especially in light of the season of covid and and sickness going around when someone is placed on a ventilator that person is completely and utterly dependent upon the ventilator to breathe for them, to pump the oxygen and the blood flow in their body to keep their organs healthy and functioning. The attitude of Jesus is our ventilator where we're fully dependent on Christ to sustain to strengthen us, to do the work of the supernatural where it takes the super one, the spiritual supernatural to do it. And since this series is Get Real, I'm gonna get real. We live in a culture where churches function by people coming into a building, hooking up to a ventilator in worship and teaching and they leave their ventilators on the seats and they grow, go through life dying of spiritual oxygen, unable to do an ounce of spiritual work without the ventilator. Guys, Sundays were never created to be the time where you live out your dependence on Christ and then leave it in the building and go out and live your life. We can't do it. There is a dying lost world that needs to see people who are fully dependent on Jesus for their next breath, let alone making some eternal difference on this earth. Starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. You see, when. When we weep and when we wail, and guys, I know you don't do that, right? But when you take a deep exhale of the stress in the world and you inhale and you let it out, women, when you watch a really good chick flick and you weep and weep and cry, 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 it's cleansing, is it not? It's why people actually feel cleansed after a funeral, after grieving. They refresh, that's what it means that you will be comforted. (laughs) You will be comforted means that God's going to give you the strength that you need to sustain you. He cleanses you and refreshes you. With his word and with his spirit and with the gospel of Jesus, that's good news. Staircase number two or stair step. Number two, blessed are the meek. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know. The meek. Well, if you're like me, I just take it, well, it's probably a pushover. Someone who's a softy, right? Someone who lets people do whatever they wanna to do to them and they don't say anything. Cause I mean, Jesus went to the slaughter, right? Without saying a word and being, being uh, silent. It's not necessarily about being a pushover, but there's only two people in the Bible that are referenced or referred as meek, Moses and Jesus. Meek has nothing about being weak in the physical sense. Meek has everything, about, has everything to do about gentleness, lowliness and humility. Man, would the church change if we began to live out those three. Gentleness and humility. It is the status of our perspective, of our heart, and mind condition. It is being moldable, teachable, willing and available to God to empty yourself so that he can fill you with what you need to live out the ways and the truth and the life of Jesus. The whole purpose of meek in the Greek and in Jesus's culture is all about the domestication of an animal, a wild animal. So when you take a, a, like a, a, a horse or a donkey or a deer or a bear, and you try to tame it, domesticate it. It's, it's like this, that's, that's the result of taming and domesticating it, but here's the thing. You don't break the spirit of the animal. That's a no, no. You don't break the spirit of the animal. It's what God gave his creation, the spirit. It doesn't need to change. And you don't make it any less stronger than it was before. But here's what happens. You channel the strength of the animal to your purpose, not theirs. You channel their responses to your objective and your goals, not the animals. You make them submissive to your purposes. And that is really when the animal becomes free to be who they are. So what does this mean for you? to be meek, it means this. God made you fearfully and wonderfully for a purpose that he plans to accomplish in you. But what he must do is channel your strengths, your personality, your desires, your skills into his ways and his heart. The ultimate goal of what the Spirit is doing within us to grow us more like Christ is to refine us, where the impurities and the things of the flesh and the things that don't amount to anything melt away and align us to a place where we are living for Him and not living for ourselves. Remember what I said about our church It's okay to be a Christian or a baby Christian when you're young, but you were never created to stay there. When you stay there, you're really tempted and pulled to live for yourself. But as you grow into Christ and the ways of Christ and you start looking more and more like him, guess what you're doing? You're living for him, not for you. That's what it means to deny yourself, to die to yourself and to submit to God's ways, to submit to Christ's truth and his life. When you have that heart of humility and gentleness, you are living out his word and you will be rewarded to inherit the earth. What does that mean? Two things, now and later, okay? Let's start with the now. When you are humble and you are meek and you are shapeable in the hands of the creator and you empty yourself so that he can fill you, you start walking in authority that the demons tremble and flee from. You want that? You gotta be meek, you gotta be nothing so that his power can scatter the darkness. Guys, we need to be a church of people who are growing in power through their humility. But we have authority, we have authority to walk over the darkness Corruption and the evil one in this world because greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. Let me say it again and maybe we'll get an amen. Greater is he, Jesus Christ, who is in you than he, Satan, Beelzebub, the prince and power of the air that is in the world. And later, eternity. When Jesus comes to get everyone who's living out the attitude of Christ, everyone who has been saved by grace, it's called the bride of Christ. We are rewarded in ruling and reigning with Jesus, a new heaven and a new earth. Earth won't look like this anymore. It's gonna be new. It's gonna be pure. It's gonna be perfect. And guess what? Those who are humble and gentle now will be the ones who are ruling and reigning then. So when the enemy tempts you to put on your entitlement as a Christian, and the enemy tempts you to start adding up your attendance to church, and when the enemy starts tempting you to look down at the other Christians who aren't growing, remember the humble. The gentle are the ones that Jesus will raise up. There's an awakening coming, friends, right here in our community. There's an awakening coming and it's on its way. But if you're not humble and you're not gentle, it's gonna pass right over you. And guess what? Guess who's gonna be leading that awakening? It's gonna be men and women who are faceless and nameless. People aren't gonna know them. It's not gonna be the people who are on YouTube's, YouTube, YouTube's, YouTube. The people who have their own website and channel of all their sermons. Yeah, God's going I'm not, God uses them mightily. The awakening that's coming is gonna be from them who are on their face, humbled in the Lord. Let's embrace these attitudes. Friends, don't just look in the mirror and see the attitudes and walk away and leave them there. Don't leave the ventilator of your dependence on Jesus in the seat when you leave. We say the church has left the building, but we act like it hasn't. I'm done. I'm done. Application, band, you can come up. I try to leave you guys application to where you can take it. Put this these two keys of application, put them on your keychain. And when you need them, go ahead and use them in the door that's in front of you. The first one is the hardest. But when you do this, your life changes. Guys, I'm living the dream right now. I'm living because God's grace has been so good. And the things that I've told you that I struggled with performance treadmill of Christianity, I struggle, I beat myself up. I was always insecure. That is gone. In Jesus name, it's gone. Some of you have come up to me and said, you're different. Yeah. It's because I've put myself on the potter's wheel. It's called being a living sacrifice. Whenever you put a living thing on a burning altar, it does everything it can to crawl off, right? Put your hand on a hot stove, leave it there. Yeah, right. Well, that's what God calls us to do is to become living sacrifices to where we are on the burning altar. And anything that is not pleasing to God, anything that is within our human strength and nature and resources and personalities and desires need to burn away. That's when God's power will be made known in your weakness. lay down your life, for it's in that where Christ will comfort you and strengthen you and sustain you for what really matters in life. Second application, live out Jesus's example. Stop just handing out tracts and just rehearsing the gospel. Start picking up your cross and follow him. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We don't do that well. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others as it drips. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he had every right to be entitled. He had every right to come in power, dominion, and royalty. He did not count equality with uh, with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself. He emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. During this time of worship, reconnect to your dependence on Christ. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about the one in front of you. Don't worry about the one behind you. What do you need right now to connect to that ventilator, Jesus Christ, to be fully dependent on him? Whatever you need to do, I give you permission to do it. Let's get real and let's worship God.
0: Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.